Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning, 730 on Wall Street. I'm John Tucker, two hours away from the opening bell, and let's get you up to speed on the news you need to know at this hour. Uh, just an hour away from the March jobs report, economists say payrolls probably rose 205,000, while the unemployment rate held at an eight-year low, 4.9% for the third month. We're going to break down the numbers live with Bill Gross of Janus. A group led by China's Anbang withdrew its $14 billion takeover offer for Starwood Hotels, a surprise move that ends a three-week bidding war also clears the way for an acquisition by Marriott. In an exclusive interview with the Bloomberg News, the deputy crown prince Mohammed bin Salam says Saudi Arabia will only freeze its oil output if Iran and other major producers do so. Also, Saudi Arabia plans to create the world's largest sovereign wealth fund for the kingdom's most prized assets. Oil moving lower on that first news. Uh, Brent right now down 2%, down 82 cents a barrel at 39.51. 7.31 on Wall Street. Now let's get some news from around the world this morning. Here's Michael Barr. John, thank you very much. President Obama is calling for support from the international community to stop Islamic State's nuclear ambitions. It comes as the second and final day of the Nuclear Security Summit takes place today in Washington. The U.S. official says there is no sign yet the Islamic State has nuclear material. Officials at Brussels Airport are hoping to open the facility this evening. Opening the airport, even under reduced capacity, has been postponed because of demands by police for more security. Last week's deadly bombing attack destroyed the check-in area. Republican presidential candidate John Kasich says it looks like the party will have a brokered convention this summer. Yesterday, the chairman of the Republican National Committee, Reince Primus, and he met with the presidential front-runner for the party, Donald Trump in Washington. Trump's rival Ted Cruz has been stoking the flames of a Stop Trump movement. Trump could fall short of the 1,237 delegates needed to win the nomination. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. Now, Michael Barr. John? All right, thank you, Michael. 7.33 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. And here's John Stashower. Thanks, John. NHL regular season finally ends. Week from Sunday, Rangers, Islanders almost certainly headed for the postseason. Right now, jockeying for position with Red Hot Pittsburgh in the Metropolitan Division. The three teams separated by three points. Isles have an extra game left. They just beat Columbus 4-3. to John Tavares, a pair of first-period goals for just the second time all year. Rangers lost in regulation when they took the lead of the third period. Carolina scored twice, won 4-3. So the Blue Shirts need one more point to clinch a playoff berth. They have dropped to third place behind the Penguins, who with last night's win have taken 10 of the last 11. Devils lost at Florida 3-2. Nets lost at Cleveland 107-87. George Washington captured the NIT final at the Garden 76-60 over Valparaiso. The final four begins tomorrow night in Houston. The Yankees named Masahiro Tanaka their opening day starter. And Andrew Miller hopes to keep pitching despite that wrist injury suffered Wednesday to his right non-throwing wrist. Another reliever, Brian Mitchell, is going to miss three months with a broken toe. With Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stashaway. All right, thanks, uh, John. And let's give the update on the markets uh, ahead of the open on Wall Street today. And, of course, the 830 jobs number, that uh, that's all going to change. So uh, take this with a grain of salt. S&P Futures. 
Seven points lower right now. That's down four tenths. The uh, Dow futures down to 53. And the Nasdaq futures 18 points lower. You're listening to Bloomberg Surveillance right here on Bloomberg Radio. Seven thirty-four of Wall Street. You are listening to Bloomberg's Surveillance. Good morning. I'm John Tucker, and time now for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM Report, being brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, investing more than one hundred and ten million dollars a year in applied research to solve problems and improve life. Learn more at storiesofinnovation.njit.edu. We say good morning to Bob Moon. John, good morning. Here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. It's not called Uber Technologies for nothing. That's the essence of a judge's decision that the technology in Uber's popular ride-hailing app could indeed be used to illegally coordinate high surge pricing fares. U.S. District Judge Jed Rakoff in Manhattan denied Uber's bid to dismiss a proposed class action lawsuit. Uber officials argued that a conspiracy involving hundreds of thousands of drivers was wildly implausible and physically impossible. In fact, the judge said the capacity to orchestrate such an agreement is the genius of Uber, which, through the magic of smartphone technology, can invite hundreds of thousands of drivers in far-flung locations to agree to the company's terms, he said. The lawsuit seeks damages on behalf of millions of U.S. riders. U.S. regulators extended a subsidy used for connections to broadband, expanding a program that spends more than a billion dollars annually. On a three-to-two vote, the Federal Communications Commission decided poor people could use the $9.25 monthly subsidy under the Lifeline program for broadband. The program previously applied to voice service. And British wine growers may be overestimating the risks that global warming poses to their budding industry, according to a study published in the Journal of Grape and Wine Research. The study's conclusion, average temperatures that make vine growing more viable are increasing. That's this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Bring on the warmth, John. Yeah, that's a journal I'd like to pick up on the newsstands. Uh, thank you, Bob Moon. It's 7.36 on Wall Street. And you're listening to Bloomberg Surveillance right here on Bloomberg Radio with Tom Keen and uh, Barry Ritholtz in for Mike McKee this week. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, John. And we are privileged to have sitting with us in the studio one Gary Schilling, uh, an old friend and a friend of the show, uh, author of The Age of Deleveraging, and what better person to talk about the big picture of the economy and jobs and Gary. Good good morning, Gary. Hey, same to you, Barry. Good to be with you. So let's talk about jobs a little bit, and I also want to talk about deleveraging because it's, it's just so relevant to the total situation. Uh, let's start from the top and work our way down. How is this economy doing, and how does the jobs picture look? <clears throat> well, the job picture in terms of the headline unemployment number, 4.9%, we'll see what it is. Of course, we get uh, in an hour. But that is very deceiving because the reason that the unemployment rate has dropped is because people have dropped out of the labor force. Uh, now, about 60% of those were retirees, post-war babies retiring. But the other 40% were people who uh, thought they couldn't find jobs, they were discouraged, or younger people who thought they'd stay in school, get a better chance at a job. A lot of them came up with huge student debts and not better prospects. But if you hadn't had all those people dropping out, the unemployment rate wouldn't, wouldn't be below 5%. It would be 13%. So there's a, there's a lot of slack in the, in the labor market. And, of course, when you have the effects of globalization, uh, employers don't really need to pay up. 
I mean, there, there's, there's so much competition from abroad, and there's a lot of pressure for them not to pay up. So real wages have really been flat for a decade. That's one of the things that is supporting the, the, Trump, the Trump on the one hand and Bernie on the other hand. Uh, you know, it's like the old movie uh, uh, network uh, years ago where the guy gets up out of his chair, runs to the window, and says, I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. That's the mood of voters today. They say mainstream politicians have not really done the job. They haven't provided uh, jobs or income, and we're employing a lot more people, but with low productivity, we're not getting the uh, we're not getting the income growth because if you don't have productivity, you don't have the income. So the job picture is not really as auspicious as some of the headline numbers suggest. Let, let's you, you mentioned a few things I want to touch on. I'm going to come back to the productivity issue, which is one of my um, favorite subjects these days. You mentioned the political picture. There's an article on Bloomberg today. The credit collapse opened the door for Trump and Sanders. And let me let me read this quote to the man who wrote the book, The Age of Deleveraging, because it's so perfect. Quote, between 2000 and 2007, borrowed money was adding $330 billion a year to America's purchasing power. Since the financial crisis, households are now diverting $150 billion to paying back debt, to deleveraging <coughs> That's a half a trillion dollar swing. Oh, what yeah. is that deleveraging as opposed and, to and that's, consumerism? And that's exactly one of the key points in in this book that I wrote in 2010, and that was a lot had to do a lot of that had to do with my forecast of two percent real GDP growth until le- deleveraging was over. And guess it's been and how's average, that looking? It's averaged two point one percent. Not too not too bad. No, so no. so but, let's but, yeah, let's get you, back to productivity in the last thirty seconds we have. You know, the old joke is productivity is uh, gains are everywhere except the data. How much of the productivity issue is a measurement problem? I, I think a fair amount of it is because a lot of things, for example, all the things you do on your cell phone, they're not really recorded. And productivity is very easy when you're talking about people uh, making more widgets, uh, manufacturing. But when you get into services, when you get into software, social media, you get a lot of other things. And productivity probably isn't isn't properly measured. Uh, but but still, mm-hmm. it, there are a lot of other forces there. I would not blame productivity for low wages. I think it's much more globalization. So hold that thought. We're going to come back with more Gary Schilling talking about uh, why wages are flat. Uh, John Tucker, what do you have for us? Uh, 8.30 is the jobs report. Of course, we'll have uh, Bill Gross of Janus Capital breaking it down for us. And ahead of that number uh, right now, S&P futures are down nine points. That's down four-tenths of a percent. Uh, Dow futures, Barry, 61 points lower. That's down four-tenths. You're listening to Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance being brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Outstanding offers are in full bloom at your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealers. Take advantage of limited-time lease and finance programs and select models this spring. Visit MBUSA.com for details. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. Saudi Arabia getting ready for the twilight of the oil age by creating the world's largest sovereign wealth fund for the kingdom's most prized assets. Over a five-hour exclusive conversation, Deputy Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman laid out his vision for the public investment fund, which will eventually control more than $2 trillion dollars. 
dollars and help wean the kingdom off oil. Global stocks, meanwhile, falling the most in more than three weeks as a new quarter got underway with Japanese equities leading losses and the yen strengthening. Treasuries are declining before U.S. payrolls data. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Ten-year treasuries down 230 seconds. The yield 1.77 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.74 percent. Futures lower. S&P E-mini futures down nine points. Dow E-mini futures down 65. NASDAQ E-mini futures down 21. The DAX in Germany is down 2.2 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 2.7 percent or a dollar two to 37.31 a barrel. COMEX gold down four tenths percent or four dollars 80 cents to 12.30.90 an ounce. The euro a dollar 14.27 and the yen won 12.07. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Tom and Barry. Very good, Karen. Thank you so much. Gary Schilling with us. Uh, and I'm going to get to minutia. I just have an April question. It's April 1st, the beginning of the quarter. Do bees hibernate? No, no, no. That's why they make honey, to get through the winter. Uh, they're all from the old world. Uh, now, there's lots of new world bees, yellow, yellow jackets, wasps, hornets. They hibernate, so they only make enough honey hornets to, feed, hibernate. to feed their right. larvae. But honeybees don't. So if you're in that hive in the winter... You've got to metabolize to keep warm, and that means you've got to eat, and that's why they make honey. Now, they're working fools. They make more than they need to get through the winter, which in this climate is about 60 pounds per hive, and that's where we come in. You leave them 60 pounds, take off the rest. Okay. There's a metaphor in that for uh, saving for retirement, isn't there? I know it's, it's someone there. It's too, too early for me to put my finger on it. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And bees have been around a lot right. longer. They've been around uh, about a billion years, a lot longer than we've been around. L- longer than mutual funds have. I, I want to go to something of Gary Schilling that people don't know other than the bee uh, stuff. You do great minutia. New York City, Newark, New Jersey wage gains, 1.4%. Philadelphia, 1.5%. Washington County, Oregon, where they eat the honey that Gary Schilling makes, <laughs> Six point four percent. It is not one America. It's two Americas. There's America thriving and there's America that's not. Right. Well, yeah, that's right. And of course, uh, a lot of this is a phenomenon which was going on for about 300 years. People moving west. And that's where the action are. Hey, we have we have four kids. They're all grown and gone. And three of them live on the West Coast, which is not unusual. But that's where a lot of people are. And of course, the old manufacturing America, which has, was by and large wiped out by globalization, the Chinese and elsewhere, that's in the East, and you have a legacy of very high wages, very high costs, and people have simply moved out of there. They 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 voted with their feet. They moved to the West Coast, and of course, with the, with the tech uh, centered there, it's created uh, tremendous wealth and yeah. and high wages Barry, too. Just so you understand, the West Coast is Hudson Yards uh-huh. and Tenth. And hey, I just West. got back from Portland, Oregon, <clears throat> and I couldn't possibly agree with Gary Moore uh, with, with with Gary anymore. Uh, one of the columns I did for Bloomberg View was uh, Boomtown Economies, which brings us to the bigger question: When we see this bifurcation, when you see some people who are not feeling it and therefore are going for the Trumps and the Bernie Sanders, and everybody else is saying, well, things are pretty good. How bifurcated has our economy become compared to past cycles? Oh, uh, very much more so because, again, globalization, and I think that's a great, uh, the biggest phenomenon hitting the world economically in the last 30 years, and that has, that has decimated 
many of these high-paid but basically low-skilled low jobs. And a lot of people just don't understand that they are competing with Chinese and now Bangladeshis and Vietnamese and so on and so forth. They're working, working a fraction of what they are and producing the same goods, the same quality, the same equipment, and, and so on. And, and it's a very tough, very tough transition. And that has left a lot of people, again, they're, they're, they're very, very frustrated. They're, they're looking for alternatives. They, they somehow think that government's going to bail them out. And the, and, the, and the issue is that really since the New Deal, the government has essentially said to people, we will, we will ensure you reasonable incomes. We will take care of this. The, the, the idea of self-sufficiency is no longer dominant in this country. Yep. So when people don't get, get incomes, they complain <clears throat> to government. In your reading of our... Federal Reserve, up through McChesney Martin, 1951, and then forward, is there any potential for a central bank to manage for one America? Or by definition, when Janet Yellen is at the Economic Club in New York, and even if she mentions slack, do you just assume she's managing for the elites in New York and those doing elitely well in Portland, Oregon? Well, I don't know that Janet Yellen has ever met a payroll, so I'm not sure how closely she is connected to some of these, to a lot of people in this country who haven't had any wage increases, real wage increases for for over a decade. But yeah, it is it is difficult. But again, uh, I'm not sure that it makes a lot of difference. The Fed is basically impotent. Central banks. They, they, they're pushing on a string. It's a Keynesian liquidity trap. They've done just about everything they can. I mean, when they went to negative, real, negative interest rates, I think that was really desperation, and they've gotten a lot of unintended consequences out of that. So let's bring this back to the question that seems to be hanging around, and you mentioned Keynes. How much of this is the fact that we tried to do the work that should have been done on the fiscal side with monetary policy. Well, that's right, because fiscal policy got scared off with a trillion-dollar deficits. And then you got this austerity measures, tax increases, sequestering, and so on and so forth. Now, that went out the window late last year. They really junked that whole policy. You know, they came in with a $700 billion highway bill. Uh, I think we're going to probably see a big big push for infrastructure, maybe defense spending, mm-hmm. but monetary policy is and, – and you look at monetary policy. If you look at Japan and the European Central Bank, they are basically making loans under the assumption that the money is actually invested in capital uh, capital uh, spending and so on. They are morphing into fiscal policy because it has been a vacuum. Very good. Gary, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. Gary Schilling, with perspective on bees and perspective on – monetary policy. We're expecting the honey shipment at uh, any point now, right? Well, no, that's yeah. later in the year. Oh, I mean, the year. the girls are just getting started here. <laughs> Give them a chance, guys. Give them a Very chance. Good. Um, Barry Ritholtz, one of the secrets we have is getting in 30 and 40 research notes before jobs to try to make us smarter. One of them that I always open and read is from John Herman of Mitsubishi UFJ. Let me give you his pre-job summary here. It's 7.54 a.m. Wall Street time, uh, 30 minutes away from the jobs report. Jim Glassman and Bill Gross uh, to join. Herman brackets it with a gain of excess 230,000, would be, quote, a strong gain, approaching records, a gain closer to 175 or lower, Quote, quite a disappointment, again, close to 200, is respectable and keeps alive the risk that Chair Yellen will hike interest rates before year end. That shows how Mr. Herman is uh, clearly away from the four-rate hike, two, uh, even two-rate hike camp. The U3 
uh, model, Barry, uh, to drift lower as the labor force is forecast to pose a small uh, decline. That's critical to see the jobs, the unemployment rate move down would confound a lot of people and change the rhetoric. No doubt about it. Liz Ann Saunders uh, of Schwab just tweeted a graph showing, by her analysis, uh, the falling labor force is between 60 and 80 percent structural and demographic, and it's mm-hmm. not... Uh, it, it, it's not a cause of worry. The article I want to bring to people's attentions today is from Greg Ipp in the Wall yes. Street Journal. Healthy job market at odds with global gloom. And he suggests sinking unemployment means productivity, not demand, is the world's biggest problem. And finally, John Herman, growth in wages is critical due to the, quote, mix of jobs John Herman suggests a minuscule gain, uh, 0.2%. He calls that insufficient to offset last month's weakness. So Mr. Herman is focused, as are many others, on uh, labor. That's what we like to do here uh, at all of Bloomberg is to aggregate all of the global sources on research. Of course, with respect to the copyright, please contact Ms. Saunders and John Herman and, of course, Greg Ipp and the good people uh, that he's working with for their uh, original copy, but there's a good summation of it. Futures in negative 10, they deteriorate. Down futures, Schilling, once again, Gary Schilling driving down the market. Futures <laughs> negative 9. <laughs> Dow futures negative 66. Uh, yields uh, were higher earlier. Once again, Schilling driving down the market to four digits, a two-year yield, 0.7402. John Micklethwaite driving down the oil market. His important interview with the Deputy Crown Prince, of Saudi Arabia, really taking it to oil, 39.37, down 96 cents, almost a dollar on Brent crude. And West Texas bears watching, 37.36, down 98 cents. For that to get to a 36 handle would be uh, a different scope and scale from what we saw even a week ago. Yen driving towards 111. Schilling once again driving the yen stronger, 112.09. On a Japanese yen. It is jobs gain. We, uh, jobs day rather. We go into the next hour with you gaining from the perspective of Jim Glassman of JP Morgan and then worldwide on Bloomberg Radio and Bloomberg Television. Bill Gross from New York, Barry Ritholtz and Tom King. Jobs day. Bloomberg surveillance.